In Birmingham, Alabama, and across America today, everything appears to be shut down. Uh, School is out. Non-essential businesses are closed. Uh, Large gatherings have been put on hold. Traffic on Highway 280 is light. April the 5th, 2020 is not a normal day in history. But neither was it 1,990 years ago. You see, on this same day in ancient Israel, just about everything appeared to be shut down. Just about everything except for one thing. Preparations for the festival. The Passover festival. This yearly observance commemorated a huge event. Israelite deliverance from Egypt. God had been faithful to the promises that he had made to Abraham, and he had come to deliver, to rescue the enslaved Israelites. When the angel of the Lord came through Egypt and struck down the firstborn of every household, the angel passed over the Hebrews' homes who had sacrificed the lamb and smeared the blood on their doorpost according to God's instruction. He spared them. He delivered them. And God instructed the saved to never, ever forget it, to never forget what God had done for his people. And so they were to participate and to celebrate salvation with a festival unto the Lord. As an annual celebration, it was an exciting time. You see, as Americans, we get excited on the 4th of July. We like to celebrate our freedom with barbecues and fireworks and other gatherings, our independence and our birth as a new nation. The Jews got excited at Passover, celebrating God's hand in freeing them from bondage. You might say that today uh, grocery stores are a buzz. People are home, but we still like to eat, right? We need to eat, and so we utilize online grocery, grocery shopping or, or delivery services, and, and some of the brave, brave venture out into Walmart or Publix or Sprouts and purchase necessary items and then return back home. But during Passion Week, people were out. The streets were crowded. The, the marketplace was buzzing with the buying and selling of animals for slaughter. Josephus An ancient Jewish historian says that several hundred thousand sheep were herded through Jerusalem streets every Passover. Several hundred thousand. Can you imagine? Josephus also describes one Passover in the 8060s when 2.7 million people participated there in Jerusalem. There was no social distancing going on in Jerusalem in that day. There was no space for such a thing. 2.7 million people, hundreds of thousands of of lambs. The, The place was crowded. Can you imagine? Church today, on this Palm Sunday, there are no crowds. But on that first Palm Sunday, there was quite the crowd. Like John says, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way. You see, the people had heard about this man, Jesus. They had heard, no doubt many of them, that Jesus had turned water into wine. They had heard that Jesus had healed the blind. 
They've heard that Jesus has fed thousands on a hillside. They've heard that he's walked upon the water. And now they've heard that he's raised a man from the dead. See, Jesus has just raised his friend Lazarus. He's an ordinary looking man, Jesus is, but this is no ordinary man. The crowds have heard about this Jesus and they want to see him. He's on his way. I want to ask you this morning, have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard about his courage and his compassion? Have you heard about his ability and his authority? Have you heard about his sacrifice and yet his supremacy? Don't you want to see him? The crowds had heard about Jesus and they wanted to see him. These pilgrims were hoping that this man, Jesus, would save them. You see, they they wanted someone like Moses who would deliver them from oppression. The oppression now of the Romans. You see, the Israelites hadn't had their own king. They hadn't had a king in more than 600 years. The Assyrians and the Babylonians had had come in and they had invaded Israel and Judah and they had defeated them as part of God's judgment upon them for their rebellion against Him. And after the Babylonians, the Persians became the dominant regional power and Cyrus, the king of Persia, let them go. He was gracious to Israel. He let them return to their homeland and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem and reinstate their priestly and sacrificial system. But it wasn't long before another superpower took over. You see, in John's day and in Jesus' day, it was the Romans. The Romans overtook the Israelites and exercised authority over them. Israel remained an occupied territory under Roman rule, and they longed for their freedom. Devout Jews had heard prophecies about a coming king. They had read and heard about a coming Messiah, and as they remembered what God had said and had done in their own history, they anticipated the fulfillment of God's promises. They had heard that God is faithful to His promises. And you see, not only was Jesus of Nazareth a miracle worker and a master teacher, but he was a descendant of the mighty King David himself. And they knew of God's promises to David. The the Israelites knew that the Messiah would be a Davidic king. Thus, many of them hoped that Jesus would be that king. They hoped that Jesus would be their savior. They hoped that he would be their king. They hoped that Jesus would be the one to issue a call to arms and to lead them out in victory over the Romans. And so, verse 13, they took palm branches and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Church, for a moment, Jesus was treated like a king. For a moment, on that first Palm Sunday, Jesus was treated like a king, welcomed with palm branches. Waving palm branches was an expression of victory over enemies in that day. It was implying that these crowds likely expected Jesus to deliver them from their enemies. Hosanna means save. Here, meaning save us. Jesus of Nazareth, save us. 
These Passover pilgrims are praising Jesus as the one who comes in the name of the Lord, quoting Psalm 118, one of several psalms that was sung each morning by the temple choir during the festival. And then someone, somewhere in the crowd, added, Blessed is the King of Israel, making quite clear their desires and expectations for Jesus. They were ready to declare Jesus as their Messiah and crown him as their king and come together as his freedom fighters against the Romans right then and there. You see, as long as Jesus fit their desires and expectations, the masses were ready to name him their king. Can you imagine, church, Can you imagine how folks today might rally behind someone whom we believed could meet our felt needs? Maybe someone that showed up on the scene today that we expected has the cure for the coronavirus. Someone who could almost instantaneously kick start economic growth once again and kick this viral enemy of ours to the curb once and for all. Someone who could provide the solution that allows children to return to school and fans to gather in stadiums and the religious folks to to gather in church buildings. Don't you think the crowds would cast their votes for such a character? I, I imagine I would. I'd be ready to call up him or her and congratulate them, name them a hero. I'd listen to whatever else he or she had to say, wouldn't you? These Passover pilgrims heard a possible hero was on his way into town. He, he could even be the promised Messiah. He could even be the long-awaited one. And church, their suspicions were right. They were right. Jesus was and is the promised king. Jesus was and is the promised king, the, the coming one who was spoken of in the scriptures, the hero devout, a Jew, the devout Jews awaited. And this hero, John says, found a young donkey, verse 14, and he sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. John says at first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified, that is, only after he was raised back to life from the dead, did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. You see, in writing his gospel, John connects the dots for us with as it is written. John reminds us that Jesus' actions here are the fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy. Daughter Zion is a, a reference to Jerusalem. And Jesus is the promised king seated on a donkey's colt. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. By riding a young donkey, he identifies himself as the long-awaited Messiah who has come to save. Friend, Jesus came to save. Jesus came to rescue. Jesus came to deliver. Jesus came to redeem. He he came riding an animal of peace in order to bring peace by giving himself as the true and perfect Passover lamb. The truth is the people would have liked Jesus to come in on a war horse. 
They, they would have liked him to make a clear and undeniable statement about his identity and his willingness to lead them into battle, to be their hero. But instead, the king enters lowly and riding on a donkey, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. You see, the crowds who welcomed the Christ on the streets of Jerusalem were on to something here. This is the Savior. This is the King. He is the Savior. He is the King. But there's a problem. Here's the problem. Most people are wanting a different kind of King. Most people are wanting a a different kind of King. They're not interested in a humble hero. They want a winning warrior. And so soon they reject him. And they not only dismiss him, soon they try to destroy him. When Jesus doesn't meet their expectations, they assume the problem must be with him. And I wonder, I wonder, church, I wonder how often we do the same thing today. I wonder how often we dismiss Jesus because he doesn't conform to our felt needs. How often is is Jesus rejected or ignored because he doesn't appear to offer what we're really looking for? Friend, what are you looking for? What is it that you're looking for? What is your greatest aim and ambition? Is it freedom or independence? Perhaps it's self-sufficiency or financial stability or success or satisfaction. What if we heard that a healer was coming to town, that a great physician was on his way to us? only to learn that the cure that he offered wasn't actually for the coronavirus, at least not right now, but for something much more horrific, something much more dangerous and deadly. Reflecting on our current circumstance in the world today, Paul Tripp writes, he says, sin is eternally more destructive than the coronavirus will ever be, but there is a known cure. God looked at his world and awesome mercy and love and decided he would not let us perish from this disease. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Paul Tripp continues, he says, this pandemic reminds us that there is a greater, darker, and more dangerous pandemic, sin. Not everyone will test positive for the coronavirus, but everyone has been infected with sin, by sin, from birth. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David prays in Psalm 51, verse 5. David essentially says, I've been a sinner my whole life, but I've often ignored it. I almost certainly was ignoring it when I I took Bathsheba to be my own, disregarding that she had a husband of her own. That's what I did with her husband Uriah when he wouldn't cooperate with my scheme and help me cover up my sin. That's what I did. I ignored my sin when the prophet Nathan came to me and confronted me. I didn't want to see the error of my way. I put myself first. I, I wanted affirmation, not confrontation. But essentially, David says, soon the Spirit of the Lord got a hold of me. The Spirit of the living God convicted me. He opened my eyes to the depth of my need for God's mercy, and I turned to Him. 
I knew then that I needed him to save me. And so David prayed, have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Friends, like the great King David, we we have a problem. We have a sin problem, and we need a Savior to deliver us from our sin problem. Jesus did not come to to conform to the expectations of people. He came to conquer sin and the grave for us. He came to transform lives by providing us peace with the one who made us peace with God himself. He came to lay down his life on the cross of Calvary as the all-sufficient sacrifice, the perfect and pure and holy Passover lamb of God who takes away our sins. For Christ, our Passover lamb, Paul writes, has been sacrificed. Make no mistake about it, it was not by coincidence that Jesus came into Jerusalem, no doubt surrounded by lambs that were being herded into town for slaughter. It was no coincidence that Jesus gave up his life, he laid down his life of his own choosing according to the Father's will, out of love for us, on the very day of Passover. You see, the masses wanted a great ruler who would visibly conquer their political enemies. And in our own day, many still want a political savior. Many look to a physical healer or a constant encourager or a financial advisor or a personal coach or an incredible entertainer. But what we need, friends, is a humble savior. We need a humble savior, the the one who provides lasting forgiveness and eternal life. Do you know that you need him? Friend, you need him. Every One of us today, wherever you are, whether you're two or 92, you need a humble Savior. You need Jesus the Savior. You need Him. Don't miss Him. Don't miss the mission of the Savior. Don't miss the mission of the Savior. He may not be what you expected. He may not even be what you wanted, but He is what you need. He is what we need. And friend, he's on his way. Jesus the Messiah is on his way. He's on his way in John chapter 12 to the cross. The crowds shouting, Hosanna, will soon turn against him. The tone of their message will change dramatically. Within five days, their shouts will shift. Take him away. Take him away. Crucify him. That's what they'll say. Completely missing the mission of the Savior, failing to see that Jesus is the promised Christ and that He is on His way to the cross. He's on His way to the cross for them and for the whole world. He's on His way to the cross for you and for me. This may not be a typical Holy Week. It's certainly not a typical Holy Week here in Birmingham, Alabama or around the world. There are no special gatherings or Easter services with rooms packed with people. But do not let that prohibit you from seeing the mission of the Savior this year. Perhaps more than anything else, this Easter, this Holy Week, the Lord is drawing us to see our need for Jesus himself 
Jesus the Christ. John suddenly says, he's on his way to the cross. Tells his readers. Tells us. John says, Jesus of Nazareth, he's on his way to the cross. And he's on his way to the cross out of love for you. And so friends, on this Palm Sunday, don't you miss the mission of the Savior. Don't miss the mission of the Savior. And don't you miss the King of all kings. Don't miss the King of all kings. For a moment, Jesus was treated like a king. John says, in fact, the crowd, verse 17, continued to spread the word. Verse 18, many people went out to meet Jesus. Verse 19, so the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. In other words, in an exaggerated statement, Jesus' enemies, the religious leaders of the day, whose hearts were far from the Lord, who were far more interested in self-righteousness and self-satisfaction and, and public image uh, than they were in following the Lord, uh, these people, they, 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 they turned against Christ. And in an exaggerated statement, Jesus' enemies expressed concern that the whole world is turning to Jesus. Of course, it wasn't. It wasn't. Friends, one day, one day it will. And even now, even now, people in Asia and Africa, people in North and South America, and people in Europe and Australia are turning to and trusting in Jesus the Christ, recognizing that He is the King of all kings that he has come and that he has gone to the cross for whosoever will believe in him. Have you believed in him? Recognizing that he is Lord. Believe in the promises of his word. Believing that he will come again. That he is on his way. And that when he comes, his reach will be far greater and wider and longer lasting than COVID-19 or any other pandemic or person in all of human history. Do you know this king? You need to know the king. Do you know the savior? King, don't miss the king. The king whose throne, according to God's word, will forever be surrounded by a great multitude that no one can count. You talk about a gathering of all gatherings. The king of all kings, surrounded by a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, and people, and language. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands, crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The one who is the lion and the Lamb. The one who is the great and matchless and incomparable King of all kings and yet the Passover Lamb who gave his life for you and for me who laid down his perfect and sinless life in our place and in exchange gives us his right standing, his righteousness before God. You see, in a sense, in a sense, everyone who sinned sent Jesus to the cross was part of that crowd that welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem 1,990 years ago. But friends, you and I have an opportunity 
to reserve a place in another crowd, a cleansed crowd, welcoming our Savior with palm branches and worshiping our King with songs of praise forever and ever and ever. Friend, will you be part of that crowd? Will you be in that crowd? Will you be part of the great multitude and gathering of all gatherings that never, ever ends? The King is on His way. The King is on His way. Prepare to meet Him now. Peter was preaching to the crowds after Jesus gave his life and was raised back to life and ascended back to heaven, his rightful place on the throne. Peter said that there is no other name given under heaven by which mankind must be saved. Jesus is the way. Like Jesus himself told his followers, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, and so he did. The good shepherd said, I I give them eternal life. I give them eternal life. They shall not perish. No one can snatch them out of my hands. Friend, are you in the hands of Jesus the Christ? Have you been washed? Have you been cleansed? Have you been forgiven of your sin? Do you know you are right with the Lord today? You may say, well, how can I know? Repent and turn to Jesus. Acknowledge to God that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior, and you want to follow Him. You give your life to Him. You want to worship Him as Lord and as King and be saved by His grace. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord in faith shall be saved. Call on the name of Jesus today and then tell someone. Tell one of us. Tell someone here at the church. Communicate with us. Contact us. Contact Meadowbrook Baptist Church. Let us know that you've turned to Jesus for salvation and you want to follow after him. Tell someone gathered with you there in your home that you Believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is your Savior, that he has laid down his life for you, and you want to follow after him. Tell someone. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Tell someone what Christ has done for you. And then follow the Lamb. Follow Jesus. Lift your voice in song to him, even now. Bow before him in prayer, even now. Express your faith in Jesus today. And run after him. Rest in him and await his return for you. Would you bow with me? Father, we pray now as we consider what you have done for us. Father, as we reflect on the provision of Jesus on the cross for us, the the forgiveness of sins, the life everlasting that you extend to us by your grace, Lord, undeserved by any of us. Lord, a salvation, a forgiveness, a life that is offered to us by your grace through faith in Jesus. Lord, as we consider this, may we express our faith to you once again. May we stand amazed before you once again. May we sing your praises now. Lord, may we lift our voice in song. May we worship you and you alone, for you are worthy of our praise. Amen.